Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Achieving Christian Thought podcast. I'm your host, Brian. Hey, thanks for listening in. This is Robert. Hey, I'm Zach. Join us for each episode as we apply the gospel to dive into the inner workings of the Christian faith. Are you agnostic or atheist and want to understand Christianity better? Want to learn more about Jesus? Discuss the differences between the modern and early churches? or maybe explore some of the Bible's most interesting characters, then we hope you'll join us in Achieving Christian Thought. All right, welcome back, everyone. Thank you all for listening. Uh, here we are back with the Achieving Christian Thought podcast. As always, I'm joined by Robert and Zach. Hey. Hello. And we've been having uh, a lot of fun uh, the past few episodes, kind of digging into the word, um, reading different translations, kind of comparing, contrasting those with some some paraphrases or some interpretations, um, specifically the message. That's the most widespread, I guess, one of the most popular uh, paraphrases out there. And uh, on this episode, we're going to kind of continue that trend. Um, We're going to start off in Psalm 22 uh, for this one. Um, We're going to dive into the NIV, the ESV, and then, of course, the message. Um, And then we're going to kind of be looking at uh, the theme of these are going to kind of be looking at some of the prophecies of the Old Testament that uh, foretell uh, Jesus is coming. Um, I know in some previous episodes, we kind of gave a grand overview of there were so many prophecies in the Old Testament that foretold, but we didn't really do a deep dive into what some of those prophecies were and how they were fulfilled. So hopefully with this episode, uh, you can kind of get a sense of uh, what was said about the coming of, of Christ, and you've got to... And I'll let Robert and Zach go into a little bit more <clears throat> of the context here, but the Old Testament was written over, what, a thousand years? or Roughly, yeah. yeah. And, and all the books of the Bible were, uh, or the Old Testament, were vastly different times. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So, mm-hmm. like, if you were to sit down and read the Bible today, you would just go from, you know, the Old Testament and then it would just kind of transition into the mm-hmm. New Testament. Mm-hmm. But I guess, you know, I think some people might not realize like Psalms or mm-hmm. Isaiah or some of these were, and it's historically proven mm-hmm. that these were hundreds, if not like a thousand years before mm-hmm. Christ. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And so it's it's not like someone can say, oh, well, the events of Christ happened, and then people wrote the Old Testament to match up those Right, events. right, right, so, right. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, um, so I'll let uh, Zach and Robert uh, take it away, and if you want to expound on that or kind okay. of give a foundation, yeah. Yeah, so um, <clears throat> the importance of what we're kind of trying to achieve here is we're really just kind of giving you the basic idea of, like, just the differences of translation and also the differences of paraphrase and the reason why we feel like it's such an important thing to kind of tackle Mm -hmm. is really just to reiterate just the distinct differences Mm -hmm. uh, of between the paraphrase and a translation and um, it's not to say that we're like picking choosing between translations but we're just showing the strength of actually a translation versus a paraphrase Um, a paraphrase 
is like a go-between, um, like you have an actual translation from the Hebrew or Greek um, to the literal English, whereas a paraphrase is like, okay, this is what somebody's interpretation of those verses means. And why we're going to hit on the prophecies mm-hmm. is because, um, one, if you look at the prophecies of Jesus in a, a translation, you actually see the elements that they're trying to portray mm-hmm. in the translation properly. Whereas if you see it in a paraphrase, you may not see the full weight of those details, and you might even walk away thinking there's some confusion there, wondering why yeah. is there such a difference. And, th- and this is really the end of, this is to reiterate the fact that there is a distinct difference between a paraphrase and a uh, translation. Just, just if, if you imagine, like, putting up a, um, uh, imagine you're, like, you're, um, you have $30 in your hand, and you go to the, uh, the, the uh, st- bookstore, and you want to buy a Bible, and you can only buy one thing. That's we're trying to help you see, like, well, the, the importance of a Bible translation over a paraphrase. And again, I think we've said that before, but I just mm-hmm. want to reiterate that um, because it's important. And as we go over this text, um, you'll see things, and we'll talk about things that you'll clearly see mm-hmm. uh, a, a divergence, and that it's if you don't know that it's a prophecy about Jesus, then you may not. Um, get the idea from a paraphrase. So I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to start off mm-hmm. in Psalm 22. <coughs> Excuse me. I'm fighting over a cough here, so I apologize. Um, but Psalm 22, verses 1 through 5. And then after I read my uh, verses here, Brian's going to come back and read from the message. Mm-hmm. All right, so here we go. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? O my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer, and by night, but I find no rest. Yet you are holy, enthroned on the uh, praises of Israel, and you our fathers trusted. They trusted, and you delivered them. To you they cried, and and were rescued. In you they trusted, and were not put to shame. And the message, um, again, this is a paraphrase, an interpretation of uh, what uh, Zach just read. Um, God, God, my God, why did you dump me miles from nowhere? Doubled up with pain, I call to God all the day long, no answer, nothing. I keep at it all night, tossing and turning. And you, are you indifferent above it all, leaning back on the cushions of Israel's praise? We know you were there for our parents. They cried for your help, and you gave it. They trusted and lived a good life. So uh, immediately you can see the differences here. Um, One thing, in in verse 1, there is the quotation that Jesus actually quotes. He quotes this psalm directly. Mm -hmm. Um, When he's on the cross, he says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I mean, so this is already a clear delineation, or I don't know if that's the right word, but a, qu- a clear, like, 
distinct difference between the message and the actual translation, mm -hmm. you see uh, a very important key uh, opening here that uh, while it is similar, it doesn't paint the same picture as an actual translation. You actually start to get an idea, like, you get you just get a different concept of what's going on here. And this first verse here says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so, so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? My God, I cry day, but you do not answer, and by night, but I find no rest. Mm -hmm. Again, this is, um, you, you, you see a picture of somebody who is in intense suffering and, and maybe even pain, and you don't see that as you would in the um, paraphrase. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Um, I, I, I'm just kind of taken aback by that immediately because, you know, like it's, it's a direct quotation and, you know, for it to be something so shockingly different, mm -hmm. it points to the fact just how different this section is, um, starting off with just that first even verse. Mm -hmm. Um, and then when you go on into verse three, it says, yet you are holy and thrown on the praises of Israel. See, in that, it's, it makes it sound like he's changing his focus, mm -hmm. not on himself, on his circumstances, but he's looking at God. Whenever I read, whenever you read that, Brian, maybe read it. Again. Yeah, it's, so verse 3 in the message starts, And you, are you indifferent above it all, leaning back on the cushions of Israel's praise? That's more of like almost a condemnation or yeah, more of like yeah. a chastising. Right, yeah, it's not, it's not actually like... Like you're stopping and thinking about the fact that God's good and He's and yeah. things like that. It's actually more of a, it, 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 at least in my head, I'm not. I'm not. Whenever you read the text, I'm not getting that condemnation that you kind of get from the message. It sounds completely different. Yeah, three through five of the message, basically, it's saying, "Here I am in pain. I'm suffering. I'm crying out to you. Mm -hmm. You helped my ancestors. Mm -hmm. Why are you not helping me?" Mm -hmm. That's essentially what three through five is saying in the message. Mm -hmm. Is that kind of what you're getting yeah, from yours? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And in my head, it just kind of throws up yeah. a little bit of a red flag, like. And again, this goes into the danger of a paraphrase is you're reading the authors, the word, the person who did this work, mm -hmm. their idea of what they think this text means, mm -hmm. not actually what the text says. Um, now, is it possible that he is actually looking at a, um, a, you know, like a concordance or something like that and actually getting a, a meaning that we don't see? Is that possible? I would say it's possible, but still you don't see that directly in the line of the text. Mm -hmm. um, and to me, that kind of throws up a little bit of a red flag for me because it's like it's almost like this, the, 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 the work here doesn't actually adequately reflect what's being said. Mm -hmm. And in my head, that's like that just kind of screams to like there's, there's a problem here that it's not actually being properly um, – uh, put out there and I think I mentioned so for those of you listening we were kind of talking about this before we started recording and we were just kind of reading through these and 
cerebrally I know what Psalm 22 is about, but I mentioned to Zach that if I kind of take what I know about Psalm 22 away and just read it like what's on the page, I would never guess that this is talking about a prophecy of mm-hmm. the coming no. Christ. Like right. I would not pick that up just by reading this. And right. so mm-hmm. that's, I think goes back to what you were saying, Zach, of that's a pretty big danger mm-hmm. where you're really missing that they're, they're establishing, Hey, you know, Christ is coming. This is what he's going to go through. Right. right. This is laying like what that's going to look like. Mm-hmm. And that's just kind of missed. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, that's the thing that makes this psalm, you know, so important is just um, now just the fact that it's a psalm and it's inspired. But this has always been known as the psalm that is connected directly to the death of Christ. And it's not something theologians have just found over the centuries. This is something that Jesus himself tied his death to mm-hmm. as he was dying. It says in the Gospels that um, as he hung on the cross, one of one of his final words was, to quote the first verse, you know, mm-hmm. my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And the, the religious leaders all around him, they had all been trained to memorize mm-hmm. the entire Hebrew Bible. They had to in order to reach their status. Before you were even allowed to make any comments on the text, you were supposed to memorize all of it. And so in uh, if he had said that, most of them would have immediately thought of Psalm 22. Mm-hmm. And if you change the wording and water it down it completely changes the direct connection between the person who is speaking that's david mm-hmm. and the death of christ now yeah. on one hand um it could you could argue that it's it's a good thing to read devotionally mm-hmm. everyone mm-hmm. goes through a time of anguish everyone feels yeah. the way david felt because um it is kind of double layered on one hand when when David wrote this psalm the first time, he wasn't consciously talking about the the crucifixion of Christ, but basically he was talking about you know metaphorically these uh, you know his enemies are all around him. People literally tried to kill him. Mm-hmm. Uh, King David was you know someone who was constantly having to rely on God for his own life, for his food, for his safety, for his the future redemption of his kingdom, and so. You could use the message loosely to apply that to yourself within a time of anguish and doubt, but there's a whole dimension that gets removed mm-hmm. if you don't have that prophetic mm-hmm. connection. And mm-hmm. so that's literally like if you are feeling that kind of anguish, the answer to that anguish is Christ, and that psalm is meant to point you directly to Calvary mm-hmm. right, once right. you have the whole picture. And so if uh, if these paraphrases, if they're not used with caution— you know, you have um, something, com- you know, that's been completely taken away from its own context that God himself put in a certain context for mm-hmm. a certain purpose. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so you have a whole dimension of the faith that's removed mm-hmm. because you haven't caught the, diff- the the subtle differences in meaning that disconnect from the death of Christ. Yeah, no, you're, you're absolutely. And, and I think, and again, uh, and Brian said this before in one of the last uh, tra- uh, translations, my goodness, uh, last uh, recordings, we're not trying to necessarily dog the, um, the message. It's not really our intent. Yeah. Our intent <laughs> is just to kind of show you the importance of having an actual translation um, as opposed to a paraphrase. And that's really what we're trying to hammer home in this 
uh, section of episodes. We're really just saying, hey, look, it might be tempting for you to, because it's an easy read, you know, and it's kind of modernized, but you actually lose a lot. And that's why there's an importance of a translation. And now Robert is going to go over in his translation. Go ahead. Oh, yeah. So uh, what I'm reading from is the NIV. It's a legitimate translation, but it's not as rigorously um, word for word as the ESV is. So mine is kind of a good medium right in between the two other guys' translations. So Psalm 22, verses 1 through 5, mine says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from my cries of anguish? My God, I cry out by day, but you do, you do not answer. By night, but I find no rest. You are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the one Israel praises. In you, our ancestors put their trust. They trusted and you delivered them. To you, they cried out and were saved. In you, they trusted and were not put to shame. So I'm seeing basically a lot of parallels between uh, Zach's version of the verses. It's literally just someone who is um, looking to the Holy One of Israel, um, and we've covered it all in the opening minutes already, but um, he's crying out, you know, you have been there for people in the past. Why are you not here for me right now? Mm-hmm. And um, I'll admit everyone has been in those times before. And, of course, Christ himself, we want to keep pointing this ahead. It's a prophecy pointing to Christ. And so knowing the anguish he went through, yeah. uh, physical, emotional, um, obviously the crucifixion, that's literally what this is pointing to. You know, we have a God who genuinely can relate to us when we are feeling what King David felt. Mm-hmm. And so we have someone who is not high above us in the sky. This is someone who's lived it, who's gotten dirty, who's, you know, felt the heat of the sun, who's heard all the sounds, who uh, has known had known people face to face, lived a full life, and can actually relate to you in your own season of anguish. And so all these verses kind of wrap around this idea that, you know, why have you forsaken me? It is okay to ask that question and be mm-hmm. honest with God mm-hmm. when you feel that. And so uh, he invites that because of Calvary. It opens the, the path for that to be addressed because of mm-hmm. Christ's death. It, it, it covers all of those hurts and pains. But uh, that's kind of without just mm-hmm. reiterating what you guys have yeah. said. Right, right. Yeah, mine's kind of a fine medium between. Yeah. Um. And so we're going to move to the next section of the same uh, psalm. It is uh, verses 14 and through 18. And the reason why we've picked this, um, these uh, verses here is because it's very, 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 very important. And um, you'll actually, as I read it, you'll actually see, like, you'll see a glimpse, maybe, maybe a slightly obscured glimpse but you'll see a glimpse of the uh, suffering on the cross kind of like what Robert was saying and so I'm going to go ahead and start that um, in verse 14 here I am poured out like water and all my bones are out of joint my heart is like wax it is melted within my breast my strength is dried up like a pot shard and my tongue sticks to my jaws you lay me in the dust of death. For dogs encompass me, a company of evildoers encircle me. They have pierced my hands and feet. I can count all my bones. They stare and they gloat over me. 
they divide my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. Uh, so that's the verses 14 through 18. And immediately in my head, I mean, mm-hmm. this is the crucifixion. <clears throat> yeah. This is why Jesus quoted this passage. It is to point to the fact that this was, this isn't just something that Jesus knew about and no one else knew about it. It was hidden in the Old Testament. It was a prophecy. Um, like Robert says, is this was, you know, David um, writing his personal um, experiences, but somehow also at the same time, the Holy Spirit helped him choose his words in such a way that later mm-hmm. on, over uh, at least a, maybe over a thousand years, cause I believe David was like uh, 1050 BC and Jesus was a hundred, you know, excuse me, Jesus was born in, you know, the ADs. Uh, so you're looking at a literal thousand year difference between the time of David to the time of Jesus. And these words that David penned in this psalm echo throughout the ages until Christ comes into our world and he is on the cross and then he quotes this and everybody around and Robert's mentioned this. I don't know if he mentioned it in our conversation before we started recording or if it was in the actual recording itself, but everybody around Jesus knew immediately that he was quoting the scriptures. This wasn't, he wasn't actually questioning God. He wasn't actually, like there's some people, there's some skeptics out there go that will say, well, he, he couldn't have been Jesus. He couldn't have been God. He couldn't have been you know, because uh, here he's doubting God. He's not actually doubting God. He's actually citing um, uh, this passage so that people could remember the fact that this, because what David did was he ultimately looked towards and relied on God through the circumstances. So he's shadowing the fact that that's what he's doing. He is literally, he's not forsaking God. He's not wondering why God has forsaken him. He's literally pointing to the Old Testament pointing to this prophecy that is taking place and declaring that this is what is uh, all about. I am still trusting in God, even though I'm about to die because they have crucified me. Um, and again, I'll let um, Brian here go over his verses. Yeah. And just before I begin, I really would love to have known or know one day how many Pharisees were at the crucifixion mm-hmm. who saw these things happening? And then when Jesus said that, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then they like, oh, yeah, like it hits them. Like, I, I wonder how many oh, actually yeah. Like, yeah, were yeah. like, oh, that's, oof, you know, mm-hmm. and they kind of realize. And, and and just we done as a, goofed. Yeah, and, and as a, as a side note, <clears throat> another thing to keep in mind is like whenever we, get, like when we read scripture and we go, oh well, that's clearly Jesus saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Um, it's important to keep in mind the reaction mm-hmm. of the people in Jesus' time. How did they respond to Jesus? When he quoted this, yeah. they didn't start criticizing him, saying, "Oh, look, he's given up on God." Yeah. No, they're like they were in shock that he still was holding. There was the Roman centurion who was like, 
I think he I'm, I might be quoting him loosely here but he's like clearly this was the son of God or whatever so like there's clearly a profound like like when you look at actually how the people how the crowd respond they didn't respond to it negatively they looked and they were like maybe Elijah will come and and do something because that was one of the beliefs that they had at the time. So there's a there's a tool for you. Like if you read the Bible and you're like, well, that clearly means this in our day, in our context. But it may not mean the same thing in the day and context of when it was written. And you need to look at how the crowd or the people respond to that. So sorry, just as a side note. Go ahead. No, yeah. yeah. All right. So the message um, starting with uh, verse 14 um, I am a bucket kicked over and spilled. Every joint in my body has been pulled apart. My heart is a blob of melted wax in my gut. I'm dry as a bone, my tongue black and swollen. They have laid me out for burial in the dirt. Now packs of wild dogs come at me. Thugs gang up on me. They pin me down hand and foot and lock me in a cage. A bag of bones in a cage stared at by every passerby. They take my wallet and the shirt off my back and then throw dice for my clothes. Wow. Wow. And, of course, you see a lot of uh, differences in the parallel between Mm -hmm. that. We've talked about that before the recording tonight. It's just um, it kind of gets loosely the same gist of the passage, Mm -hmm. but it really waters down the the imagery. It waters down the situation altogether because – uh, the imagery that David was really painting in the Hebrew is he's getting murdered by these people. They mm-hmm. are executing him. It is over. Now, the the situation we're seeing in uh, this paraphrase is literally, it sounds more like a big city mugging that yeah. has very, very, um, uh, very dramatic overtones. You know, they pinned me down. They they took my shirt. They they took my wallet. Took my wallet. That's literally in there. And so you have this image of someone. You know, they can stumble home. It ruined their day, but they mm-hmm. will live. That's not the point of the song. Not being here. violently murdered. Not being violently murdered. Yeah. I mean, uh, not to snatch the words out of anyone else's mouth, but I mean, pierce my hands and feet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that yeah. is the the verse that hinges. Other than the intro verse, this is the verse that hinges everything on the crucifixion. Because what are the odds that King David would choose that mm-hmm. as the metaphor when crucifixion as an execution habit did not did exist? Not, yeah. And it would not exist for hundreds more years. It was unheard of at the time to really pierce your hands and feet in a literal sense. So David is using a metaphor that he got the idea for somewhere. And, of course, we know that his muse was God Almighty. But he says, they pierced my hands, my feet. He thinks he's being metaphorically clever. God is using him yeah. to point towards a literal execution where the hands and feet of someone were pierced. And this one individual, this peasant, out of the dust in the Middle East has literally changed the history of the entire world. Something's going on. And a conspiracy uh, afoot. from the... Um from the translation of uh, what what was the phrasing of the verse of I could count every bone or I could count all my bones. Uh, um, what was that part? Uh, da, 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 da. 
I guess it would have been 17, verse 17. Oh, yes, I'm sorry. I can count all my bones. They stare and gloat over me. Yeah. Yeah, so that was significant because with crucifixion, mm-hmm. they would, when someone died or if it was taken too long, yeah. didn't we say they would break their bones uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, of the person being crucified? But with Jesus, they did not. Yeah, like, he, not a single bone was broken. Right. And that kind of alluded there. I mm-hmm. could count all my bones. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And this here just says they lock me in a cage, a bag of bones in a cage, stared at by every passerby that doesn't really allude to that fact yeah, it, either it, 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 it paints a picture that you're like i don't on know display, yeah you're on display but you're in like in a that. you're in a cage not yeah. not it, it's painting the wrong like if you're imagining these words as the the paint the image that it portrays it's like you know you see all those old timey cartoons like the looney tunes or whatever you see like the 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 person in the cage and he's being you know, on display or whatever, like Tweety Bird or something like that. Yeah. You see that, you don't see crucifixion. And I think, again, this is one of those instances where it's like, okay, um, uh, how, how, how did, where did, wh- wh- how did you get this in this? I mean, what, you know, select, why did you select the cage, like a, like a person in a cage? Why, why on that sort of display? I mean, in my head, it doesn't make sense, but, you know, whatever. Uh, but anyways, Robert, you got, uh, unless you have something else you want no, to say. No. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Robert. <clears throat> All right, so 14 through 18 in the NIV. <clears throat> Again, plenty of parallels with Zach's, but there is slightly different wording that simplifies things. It says, I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart has turned to wax. It has melted within me. My mouth is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You lay me in the dust of death. Dogs surround me. A pack of villains encircles me. They pierce my hands and my feet. There it is. All my bones are on display. There's, there's my version of I can count all my bones. People stare and gloat over me. They divide my clothes among them and cast lots for my garment. Mm-hmm. And so that's three sections of, you know, Jesus' mm-hmm. crucifixion. Um, we covered the piercing of the limbs, the bone, not a single bone being broken. And then that at the very end, you know, the, the centurions were casting lots for Jesus' clothes because mm-hmm. they thought he's not going to need them anymore. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, well, I, I can't remember. Did we speak on this? Did you, did either of you bring this up? Like 14, uh, like, in the crucifixion when they pierce his side right, and right. water flows. Right, right. Is that referring in 14, I'm a bucket kicked over, water spills? Right, so, right. Um, Very easily, yeah. Yeah, the, the piercing of his side. Right, right. Um, which I, I read something also, and I can't remember if we talked about it, whether you all hit on this on a previous episode or not, but I think I also went and researched and I think medically they were examining like what would happen to the human body in crucifixion. Mm-hmm. And they said that um, the way you're hanging and the stress of your body would cause massive amounts of fluid to pool around your heart and mm-hmm. lungs mm-hmm. and your cells would swell. Mm-hmm. And so when they pierced his side, like that could be taken literal as water, like mm-hmm. clear oh, fluid yeah. of all of that um, embolus, mm-hmm. uh, pulmonary and 
uh, pulmonary embolism and all that, like uh, pleural effusion, all that would flow out mm -hmm. from piercing of the side, mm -hmm. and they oh, can yeah. medically yeah. vouch for that would happen. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, and that goes, and that kind of goes back to the whole idea when people <clears throat> say, "Well, Jesus wasn't actually dead." <laughs> whenever they, whenever your blood starts to separate, yeah, you're dead. Oh yeah. There's there's no like there's no coming out of that. <laughs> no. Your blood is literally separating inside your body. Oh, that yeah. that that don't happen if you're <laughs> still alive. No. And back then for a Roman centurion to stab you in the rib cage with a spear. Mhm. Mm you're not walking that off. <laughs> you know. Like, Shrug it off, baby. Go walk a mile. Yeah. Like not not that Jesus didn't have the ability to, but that you know, it's it's you're not gonna get stabbed mm -hmm. in the chest or in the rib cage by a spear mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. then walk that off, especially with the blood loss from there's major arteries mm -hmm. in your wrists and your mm -hmm. hands. Um, like you're bleeding out, you're dehydrated you know all the stresses like bones pulled apart like your shoulders and your hips are mm -hmm. literally being wrenched out of socket from the stress mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. that's massive massive trauma and then being stabbed like you're not no you're not getting out of that you're not yeah. walking yeah. away from that so. no amount of coolness in the cave is going to revive yeah, you I mean, it's, it's that's <laughs> yeah. not a thing i i <laughs> I defy anybody to say that any person could go through that mm -hmm. and yeah. survive. Right. Like, it's yeah. not a thing. Oh, yeah. No. That I, is not an argument. It's yeah. not. I've heard of modern medical doctors. They read that description. They say, yeah, if that's an eyewitness account, yeah. that man's dead. Yeah. There's no way around it. Yeah. And, I mean, also, you know, think these are highly trained centurions. Literally, death and injury are their entire lives that is what they are paid to do for rome mm -hmm. and if they look at someone they say yeah this guy is dead you can trust their expertise there. yeah yeah and if they had any doubts they would have done more yeah and so it's like yeah. well his blood has separated but i'm not sure let me go poke the other side i mean yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah all right so um so this uh yeah. just kind of just kind of landing the plane here a little bit um, this is kind of one of those reasons why we look at um, the paraphrase as a tool again. You know, mm -hmm. not not again, not poo pooing on it. Just calling it like mm -hmm. it is. If if you if you're like new in the faith and you're curious as far as what to get, definitely get yourself a translation, uh, ESV, NLT. If you're straight up, if you're like old school, have to have archaic English, King James, then there's that too. I mean, although, you know, there are better translations. I know there's some independents out there maybe listening that will probably stone me for saying that. Um, but there's there's so many good translations out there. NIV is another one like Robert's using tonight. Um, uh, definitely get your hands on an actual Bible translation because mm -hmm. you will get true meat from that and that and, and as we've seen in this one this one tiny uh psalm here has so much weight to it if you have it in the actual translation that you will miss in a paraphrase so we always recommend um having an actual translation 
and maybe later on down the road, once you get a kind of understanding of it, um, then maybe have the the uh, the message as a, or or a different paraphrase as an aid. But and yeah. you alluded to this earlier, and I just looked it up. Um, well, number one, if you if you are listening to this. More than likely, you're listening to this on a smartphone. Right. So you have access to the Bible app, which is free. Mm-hmm. And it has dozens of translations right. in it. Um, so there's no money there. But even, I am just did a quick search, even on Amazon, a basic no-frills ESV Bible is $9.99 on Amazon. Right. Just 10 bucks if you mm-hmm. want to order one. Now, if you get into like a bonded leather study Bible, those get, you know, $30, $40, But just a basic standard ESV Bible, 10 bucks um, can be had on Amazon. Absolutely. So, oh, yeah. you know, and I think we talked last time, and just to reiterate, if you aren't the strongest reader or you don't have experience reading the Bible, did we say the NLT or the ESV would be the best kind of starter? NLT and NLT? NCV. Yeah. 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 And looking up an NLT Bible. Yeah. Same thing. NLT on Amazon. Um, Nine fifty nine. So again, under yeah. ten bucks on Amazon. Um, you a, a giant print, a, a large text font print is thirty bucks of the NLT. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, yeah, we're not saying don't read the message, but just don't start with the message. Right, that's like, a good way of putting it. Yep. Use the message as kind of like a modern equivalent, like read the translation first mm-hmm. and then maybe read the message. Just kind of, mm-hmm. yeah. but don't rely. No. One way that I described the message to someone one time, and I, I'm, I'm surprised I never thought of repeating this until now because we've been on the message for a couple of podcasts now, but I described the message as like, think of it like a Christian going to a biblical epic movie but they don't have to cut for time they can cover every yeah. single verse of the whole thing but that is not meant to be your yeah. end all be all like charlton heston looked nothing like the real moses i can historically <laughs> guarantee you that let my people go it's like why is someone in ancient egypt speaking british but uh but i mean just why is that a white man? <laughs> yeah. Why are Why they is he all a white? white? Man with tan? <laughs> this is Northern Africa. Why are they all so white? But uh, like neon white, <laughs> neon. Uh, but uh, you can even see the farmers' tans where they put on the togas after wearing those 1960s business suits. But yeah. uh, um, the point being, you know, it, enjoy it. Um, take it as just one more piece of commentary flying in the wind. Learn from it by any means. If God uses it to grow you, thank him for it. But get back to the actual scriptures. Don't just watch biblical epics all day. Read the book of Exodus. Right. Yeah, I mean, um, there's so many images that in a translation that you get 
and it becomes more powerful as you read it. Like, you know, whereas in the in in the message, it almost kind of comes off as I won't say cutesy, mm-hmm. but it kind of misses like. In some cases, it sort of misses like the despair. In some ways, like I don't know, like I, I whenever I picture a person in a cage, I don't picture someone being crucified, and so mm-hmm. it creates a different image. And so, when you look at some of these texts, it really creates, although it might make a little bit more sense to us, it creates this weird image. That if you didn't know any better, then you would have a very wrong understanding of the historical context. Because the historical context of the scriptures and things like that are essential to where you don't go off in the left field with some of your ideas and theories and doctrines. And then if you have something like a paraphrase, there's no check on that. There's no, yeah, you might be able to, it might be able to, like, help you see a, a more modern picture but you don't need to actually see a modern picture you need to see more of the old uh and picture intended because then you are understanding the bible more as a whole and that is the goal of every believer is to understand god's word more and better as you grow in your faith and if you don't have the right imagery that you're getting, then some parts in the Bible won't make sense. And then you'll lose the historical context. You'll lose some of the, the groundings of where things are, you know, like reference, like I said, with the prophecies. Mm-hmm. You miss those in these paraphrases. And that's potentially it could be dangerous if you relied on it, but in the, even if you're not looking at it from that perspective, it just it adds one more step and adds more confusion to where you have to learn to unlearn something. Whereas if you go in with a straight Bible translation, you're learning what the Bible says so that you can then unpack more understanding of the scriptures. It's like you either are learning what you need to learn or you're learning something that has to be unlearned so that you can then learn what it actually is. Is that, if that makes sense. Just a final anecdote real quick. Um, If anybody out there likes to read novels and discover little, I guess, as far as a novel, um, like Easter eggs of like where parts of the story tie into different parts. Um, So I've told this like when I gave my testimony in the very first episode, like I came to Christ really young because I was raised in, in church and and I think I was like 11 or 12 when I came to Christ but um I don't remember the exact context but it was when I was pretty young kind of still in Sunday school like as a kid and I knew the crucifixion story and I I remember it kind of vividly of I think I was reading through and I got to Psalm 22 and at the time I didn't really know what I was reading, like that it was a prophecy. And I started reading 
And I was like, wow, that kind of sounds, wait, why are they talking about Jesus here? Mm -hmm. And I, cause I was like, isn't this the old Testament, which was supposed to be before. And I, it didn't make sense to me at the time. Cause I kind of made that discovery mm -hmm. of, I was like, this sounds awful. Like a crucifixion story. Like, why are they talking about Jesus? And so I had to go and I think I brought it up in my Sunday school class and they were like, well, no, this is, you know, the Psalm by David who was alluding to. And I was like, that's really cool. Like you, right. you picked up on that. Like I kind of discovered that mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um and uh that was really like i was like oh because i thought you know me being my little kid self i was like wow i just discovered something right, like right. that i don't know if anybody's ever noticed this before <laughs> right, 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 and right, it was right. that fun little <laughs> you know yeah, revelation yeah. there yeah. and i mean you you're not gonna get that with right. with the message you're not gonna pick up that kind of mm -hmm. uh, thing right. but so that's if you if you're new to Christianity, if you're reading the Bible for the first time, like the more you read the Bible, you're going to discover something every single time you read it. Mm -hmm. You're going to pick up on something you didn't notice before, or you're going to put something together that maybe you've never mm -hmm. uh, thought about before. Um, uh, we were talking before we started recording, like I've started reading the Bible over again. I started another year long plan in the Bible app and reading all the Levitical law again. And I started thinking more about just the logistics of the animal sacrifices. Mm -hmm. And I had never really thought about that before. And so that was something new I mm -hmm. pulled out of it this time. So, but anyway, so that's just, that's just some of the things you can get by actually reading like an actual translation, but sorry, no, not to go no, off on yeah, a no, tangent or an absolutely anecdote, anecdote but yeah. Home, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, and I think, and I think, just going back to what you're saying, I mean, that is what it's supposed to be about. It's supposed to be growing in your understanding. Like, if you pick up the Bible for the very first time and you read it, even you know any translation, and you're like, "Huh, that points to Jesus." Mm -hmm. I mean, that's it's doing what it's supposed yeah. to be doing. <laughs> if you pick up your Bible or you pick up something, a tool. And you read it, and it doesn't point to Jesus, but it's supposed to. Then there's a problem there, yeah. and and I think that's one thing we have to keep in mind when you read the message. Is like, it is an aid. It is not the actual translation itself, and and don't let it look. Don't look to that to be your your uh, your word of God, so to say, because it is um, potentially dangerous. Because you'll you'll miss important information and and rea the reality of it is there is going to be a slight disjunct between our understanding of modern day and the time of that of ancient times that's the reality of it but that's part of you growing in your understanding of scripture is actually putting aside our cultural understandings and looking at the actual text itself mm -hmm. and looking at what the bible has to say and then you understand it in a broader context, and it increases your knowledge, it increases your understanding of the scriptures, and that is actually you growing in Christ. You're actually growing in your understanding, you're growing um, in, in, in those things, and it's like, in, if, you don't have, if you don't go back to the original context of what these things are written about or written for, or the images that's trying to be communicated, then it kind of stunts your growth, if that makes sense. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like 
Yeah, we're uh, we're about an hour, so yeah, definitely. Any final thoughts, or if you want to land the plane for us? Yeah, yeah. Uh, to land the plane, um, we're talking about um, <clears throat> not just the importance of having a translation and using it wisely, but uh, the subject matter we've been talking about is the prophecies that point to Christ, and that's the reason it's so important to have uh, your copy of the Word of God to be as accurate to the original language as possible within your comfort level of study, mm -hmm. simply because this book was inspired by the one that it's pointing to. And it will directly affect your ability to study it, and studying it will directly affect your ability to get closer to the one that you've called your Lord and Savior. Mm -hmm. And so uh, to land the plane, I would, in, you know, encouraging people to, you know, be well equipped for the study of Scripture, but... Look through that to the God that you're supposed to be studying the word of. Uh, Jesus called out that verse, My God, my God, why are you forsaking me? Because uh, he wanted everyone to realize, even if whether they were standing there on that day or thousands of years from now in another language, three guys would be making a podcast about <laughs> it. And he said, you know, I will not die in vain because this is part of God's plan. And so what's ironic is, uh, you know, some people in the crowd were amazed. Like, he thinks God has forsaken him for being crucified. He's been cursed. But really what he was pointing to is the fact that God never actually forsook him. And then there were some of those that actually, and this kind of blows me away, they actually gloated at him when they heard the quote because <laughs> the quote itself was actually in there in a, Aramaic, so uh, the word God, Eli, he's Eli, Eli, Lama Sabachthani. So they're hearing that name, Eli, and some people were thinking he was actually calling down Elijah for help. And they were saying, this idiot's trying to call Elijah down oh, wow. to see if he'll come down and perform some kung fu moves or something <laughs> that he learned from the angels. And so you had all these different opinions, and yet the only one whose opinion really mattered was the one that they were not listening to, yeah. listening to every voice in the crowd except the one who was dying for them. Wow. So don't let that be you. Don't let the TV, the newspaper, the podcast, the TikTok, except ours, the TikTok, <laughs> <laughs> the TikToks, the social media posts, don't let all of that confuse this clear-sounding bell that God refuses to forsake those he calls his own, and he proved that by not forsaking his own son, even while he died for the sins of the world. Praise him. Amen. Yeah. Amen. All right. Well, thank you, uh, Zach and Robert. Um, another really good episode, I feel. Um, to those of you listening, uh, we really appreciate you. Uh, thank you for listening. Um, whatever uh, podcast app or whatever platform you're listening uh, on, um, definitely leave us a review, leave us a like, uh, leave a comment. We'd love to hear from you and, uh, we want to reach more people. Um, so if you enjoy this content, um, you know, we're not asking for anything except maybe a, a review or a like or, or whatever. Um, but we would appreciate it. But, uh, yeah. Um, so, uh, I think on the next episode, I think we might, uh, visit a couple of more prophecies, um, dive some more into some different sections and we may transition into some more, um, old Testament stuff, uh, kind of after that, but yeah, thanks for listening and, uh, we'll see y'all next time. Bye-bye.